Hello, everyone, and welcome to our program, The Truth Will Set You Free, Bible Prophecy Edition. I'm Big Batista, along with my co-host, Nathan Jones, and we are with Lamb Lion Ministries. We thank you for being part of our program, as today we're going to talk about orderly conduct. Sometimes people are under the impression that the church is a perfect place and that God's people have no problems, but we'll find out today according to Scripture what the Bible has to say about orderly conduct. So for those of you that are following us on social media, we'd love for you to share this program with your friends and family so they can follow along with us. But before we continue, I'm going to ask my co-host Nathan Jones if he will open us up with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this opportunity to study your word with Vic and all those who are tuned in. We continue to pray that you will reveal yourself to us and through your word and through your spirit. And I just thank you, Lord, for your great love for us all. In your precious name, amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. And again, you're tuned into the Truth Will Say If Free Bible Prophecy Edition. Big Batista, Nathan Jones, as we're talking about orderly conduct. So stay tuned and be part of our program today. And of course, before we continue, I'm going to welcome my co-host, Nathan Jones, to the program. Nathan, it's great to have you on. You too, brother. How are you? I'm doing much better, Nathan, much better health-wise. As you know, most of us have been struggling a little bit with different health issues. I ha I actually had vertigo, Nathan, about a week and a half ago, but I'm so much better now. Oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> health is definitely at the top of most people's minds, especially with the pandemic, at least hopefully waning. Uh, so praise the Lord, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. And it's great to have you on, Nathan. It's, you guys are always up to something amazing there at the ministry. On the other end of the ministry, I'm back in Daytona. You're in Texas. I was able to visit you a few weeks ago, and uh, we, had a, we had a lot of fun. And today you were busy interviewing individuals as well. So, Nathan, before we continue, can you share a little bit about the ministry and also the resources there? Oh, absolutely. Well, if you're tuned in for the first time, Vic and I are evangelists with Lamb and Lion Ministries. We're a Bible prophecy teaching ministry, and our mission is to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ. And uh, we do that primarily through our television program, Christ in Prophecy. It's now in its 19th season, and you're not kidding about uh, TV interviews. We did three just in the last two days, all Israel-themed. We brought uh, Avi Mizraki all the way in from Tel Aviv to talk about Messianic evangelism in Israel, uh, this morning uh, through Zoom, we had Dan and Meg Price, who are up in north in the Galilee, and they uh, interview, or excuse me, uh, witness to the Druze people, which is a um, Islamic sect. And then we also had Amir Safati, which most people know from Behold Israel, and he talked about the politics that is going on in Israel and how uh, Joshua from the Bible was a type of Jesus as a deliverer. So <laughs> we've been very busy here at Lamb and Lion Ministries recording TV shows. Uh, check us out on our website, ChristinProphecy.org, our YouTube channel, which is Christ in Prophecy, as well as his channel and Truly and other networks. And check out these shows. They'll be coming up and airing in the next few weeks. Uh, fantastic. Thank you so much, Nathan. Just a lot of wonderful resources for you, our listeners and viewers to take advantage of. These are resources so that you can grow and recognize the times in which we're living. And we're living in exciting yet challenging times. Nathan, you would agree, especially for our country, we still find ourselves, Nathan, right in the grip of this COVID uh uh, ping pong game, if you will, with the vaccinations. And we need to continue to pray for our nation, right, Nate? Yeah, not just our nation, but look at Australia and New Zealand. Zealand. I mean, they have lost their minds with the extreme lockdowns, the police enforcement of masks, and uh, it's just spooky. And then you see other countries, and they got the same numbers of COVID cases, yet they could care less. Now, I don't want to minimize COVID. I, I lost, uh, my wife lost an uncle 
uh, this month to COVID. So, uh, and we lost a nephew a month before that. So I'm not minimizing the, the severity of it, but at the same time, uh, it's just, it's fascinating how different people respond. If you're a Christian, and you love Jesus Christ, there might be some anxiety, but you put your faith and trust in Jesus. You trust him and you know, if you die, you're going to heaven. So you have, as Christians, we have more peace about it. But as our nation becomes more secular, uh, we see more fear and, and more distrust and turning to the government for help. And when people turn to the government, what do they do? They give up their freedom. And we're seeing, brother, that all across the Western world, especially, again, Australia and New Zealand. So I just pray that uh, we'll have returned to our Christian roots, uh, our Judeo-Christian values, give our lives to Christ and repent, because that's the only hope for our nation. Nathan, you said it so well. Uh, you know, we are to um, be wise about how we do things, how we go about doing things. But at the end of the day, we really trust in the Lord. We are, uh, and as you and I know, well, I always encourage people, hey, if you feel led to get vaccinated, go for it. If you don't feel led, it's also your right. And that's right now some of the, 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 the laws that are being reviewed has to do with uh, our rights that are being taken away. And, and also educating people that we need, we need, we need to uh, not fear certain things or give up certain freedoms for the sake of little things that are being offered to us. So definitely, Nathan, I agree with you. Uh, we need a lot of prayer. We need to get this nation back in order as things quickly get out of order and just get a little bit chaotic. And that's why our topic for today is orderly conduct. Not only is there disorder around the world, but there's also we find disorder uh, in the church. People get so um, bent out of shape with different news that comes their way. And then it, it, it creates different behavior among the Christian people. And we're seeing that today, Nathan, how divided we're getting, whether it's over politics or over COVID. And, and sometimes we need to put things back in order, right? Absolutely. Uh, you get it. I love this old term our church used to say, keep the main thing, the main thing. You know, if we keep your eyes focused on Jesus Christ, fulfilling his word uh, and going doing the Great Commission, then that refocuses our life and, and puts it in perspective. And so, yeah, man, it's it's we really need to keep the main thing, the main thing. And, and that's why, of course, that main thing is turning our eyes back to God's word, uh, not getting distracted. And how, how does the Bible uh, tell us to deal with disorderly situation or disorderly conduct in the Bible? Uh, you and I, and we closed the book of uh, Second Timothy uh, in our last study. And uh, there we talked about Paul's instruction to Timothy as Paul was getting to the end or the close of his time here on earth as he was going to be martyred. And you and I, we talked about how uh, Paul's encouragement to Timothy was to continue to do things right, to lead by example, but also to bring order into the church. And now we find, Nathan, those same instruction are given to Titus as well as we look at the book of Titus chapter one. Would you be able, Nathan, to read for us Titus chapter one, beginning on verses one through five, just in case someone out there doesn't have a Bible, they can follow along with us. That'd be a good idea. All right. Titus chapter one, one through five. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth, which accords with godliness and hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began, but has in due time manifested his word through preaching which was committed to me according to the commandment of God our Savior, to Titus, a true son in our common faith, 
grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. For this reason, I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city, as I commanded you. Mm, thank you so much, Nathan. What, a, what an amazing passage we find there. Again, this amazing instruction to now Titus. And Nathan, maybe someone is new to the Bible. They're not familiar with the book of Titus or much about it. Uh, can we share a little bit with them just in case someone is new so they can see what's going on here in this book? Well, absolutely. Uh, just very similar to Timothy, Titus is a follower of Paul, uh, helps Paul out in his evangelistic efforts. They're an evangelism team. I think most people don't realize that that Paul was brought a team around with him. He wasn't just one guy most of the time traveling around, and Titus was one of his fellow evangelists. And here he's writing to Titus, and uh, just as he did to Timothy, he sees him as kind of a, a son figure, a, a successor to the ministry, someone who will carry the load. And so as Paul was getting later in his life and knew that he was going to be passing away from this world, he started sending messages to various people that followed him and uh, helped share the, the gospel load. And one of them was Titus. Excellent. Thank you, Nathan. And again, we find these great examples of young individuals in the Bible that God begins to use in a mighty way when they commit their lives to him. And interestingly enough, Nathan, as we were looking at uh, Titus and also Paul's instruction for him to get things in order uh, where he was in the uh, location in the island of Crete, uh, it was interesting because I was doing a little background on Crete, and that's actually in, in the Mediterranean area uh, over there um, in Europe. And interesting, Nathan, I didn't know the size of Crete, but it, it's 156 miles long and 30 miles wide. It's not much, not a large place. No, that's interesting. Yeah, I've, I've seen it in uh, maps and, and studied it, but it's got an interesting history, but it's not a, not a very big island, but uh, it seems like if you lived in the Mediterranean, you were bound to hear of someone from Crete. Matter of fact, we get our word Cretan today. Uh, clearly, <laughs> a lot of people <laughs> think much of the people of Crete, uh, that they were either dumb or primitive. It probably goes back to their primitive uh, time periods of the during when the um, Phoenicians traveled the waters. But yeah, it has a, a kind of a sordid history. But in this time, first century AD, we know it's a place where uh, Titus uh, was coming from. And Nathan, what was interesting is uh, you and I, we did the book, The Mighty Angels of Revelation, and uh, there's a small island of Patmos. And, and also Crete is also very small, but it's amazing how modern those islands are today. And the amount of tourism there is really uh, unreal. Oh, yeah. I, if you're on any Bible tour through the Mediterranean, you're going to stop at Patmos and Crete. Uh, I mean, all these places that Paul's missionary journeys took you through uh, are of biblical significant value. Of course, uh, John being trapped on the island of Patmos. Uh, Crete, though, is definitely bigger than Patmos, wouldn't you say? Yes, absolutely. And, and it's just amazing, Nathan, because sometimes people read the Bible and they and they just consider the 2,000-year-old uh, scriptures. But when we bring it today— uh, when we bring uh, we bring things into a more modern perspective, these are locations that people can actually travel to and visit today. And it's kind of nice, like when you and I went to Israel, Nathan, it's nice when you're actually stepping there in the Holy Land and having your Bibles open, how things become so much more real. I, I love what you say about we think of that as from 2000 years ago. So you're right that. It's funny, uh, Scott Adams, who does the Dilbert cartoons, he created a, a, 
mythological uh, country that's uh, called Albonia. And uh, the people walk around looking like medieval peasants and they swallow in the mud. And when asked, you know, why did you make such a primitive cult, a fictional culture? It says because most Americans <laughs> have this idea that every other country in the world is primitive and people wallow in the mud. And I had to laugh at that when I first heard him answer that question. But it challenged my own preconceptions about foreign countries. Because I don't know how many times I've, I've been to a foreign country and you expect like when I went to Germany to be modern or Canada or but then you go to other countries that you you've read a lot about the history like when we went to Israel like you said and uh, you expect it to be primitive like they're still running around first century AD you know, with hearts and stuff like that and you know Israel's a first world country it's just as modern as the United States and uh, so yeah I, I think it really challenges our preconditions because sometimes the only thing we know about a country is what we read in the history books Exactly, Nathan. And that's why I want to encourage those, those that are part of this program today, take some time and do a little bit of history. Uh, go to Google Earth, check out these locations. And it's very fascinating how you begin to see the Bible come alive. Now, of course, we recognize, right, Nathan, the problems in the church are the same today as they were 2,000 years ago. Uh, back then, they didn't have social media. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have all the gossip that goes on. But there were still challenges in the churches themselves, right? Oh, yeah. That's just part of living in a fallen world. Depends on which apostasy the church had to deal with. You're the Gnostics of the first and second century or the cults like the Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses of today. It's it's the same thing. Uh, you read the seven churches of Revelation, also in our book, The Mighty Angels of Revelation. And you see each church dealt with a vastly different problem. And each problem we can see in today's churches, you know, it's spiritually dead or uh, coddling up to the world or apathy uh, each one is totally or spiritually dead yeah they're all, all different and it it just shows that things haven't changed I, another reference is uh muppets take manhattan you ever see that old muppet movie Kermit's in that diner with the guy in new york city and the owner of the diner says peoples are peoples in other words people are always the same they haven't changed we might have different cultures and styles and clothing but god made us as people and the problems that people had back then are the same problems that, that we have today. They're just a little different, but not too much. It's yes. People, people. people, so people. I like that. And of course, when you have people, so peoples involved, there's always going to be some problems <laughs> that rise up and something that needs to be put back in order. And Nathan, that's why, you know, talking about peoples, we find the background for Titus. Uh, apparently, according to scripture, he was a Gentile. Galatians chapter 2 verses one through five, uh, give us a little bit of a glimpse of his background. Can you take us there, Nathan, and read for us Galatians two, verses one through five? Galatians two, one through five, absolutely. Let's pull it up here. All right. Then after 14 years, I went up to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them the gospel, which I preach among the Gentiles. But privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And this occurred because a false brethren secretly brought in, who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Jesus Christ, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we did not yield submission for even an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. So, right, Vic absolutely, when it says Gentile, it could also, some translations say Greek, which in other words, if you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. And so if you're a Gentile, 
you don't need to be circumcised. But that was when you're talking about uh, heresies that the, the church dealt with in the early years in Galatians. Paul talks about the Judaizers. They want to put people back under the Mosaic law and steal the grace that's been given to them in Jesus Christ as new believers in Christ. And so, like, it's interesting here. So here's the situation that, hey, Titus was uh, with me. He, he was compelled to be circumcised. In other words, I said, well, if you want to be a Christian, you have to go under the Mosaic law. And for, unfortunately, probably painfully for Titus, uh, he fell into that trap. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and what's interesting is now Paul is uh, using this individual now to come to a place where they had a lot of disorder and he was setting him up over there to sort of bring order back into the situation. So we know that Titus traveled with Paul for some time with the rest of uh, his missionary team, because as you and I touched on this on 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 through 13, I'm just going to flip back there. And uh, you and I talked a little bit about those that were ministering with Paul, but then some returned to their places and Paul found himself uh, pretty much alone. And we find that second uh, Timothy chapter four, verse nine says, Paul speaking, speaking to Timothy, be diligent to come to me quickly for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica, Crescens for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me, get Mark, and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for the ministry. So Nathan, you and I talked a little bit about this. At one point, uh, we find also uh, Titus returning to this other locations and Paul finding himself uh, uh, alone. But here, Paul actually praises Titus because he is giving him a great responsibility uh, sort of to bring things back in order because things have gotten disorderly throughout the years. Yeah, and, and the writing of, of the book of Titus 2, or the letter to Titus, was, was very similar to the first and second Timothy, so only a few years apart. So we're, it's not like Paul's downing Titus, oh, look, you know, he went and got himself circumcised, the fool, or, oh, you know, he abandoned me and went off to Dalmatia. You know, it, you can't look at it that way. What Paul's saying is, is that, hey, Titus is a young guy, he learned from his mistake, and now he's serving me, and all my evangelist team have spread out, and they're on their own now. And they probably have their own teams and they're spreading the gospel. They're a link in the chain that went from Jesus all the way up to us today. Who knows how many people got saved because of Titus going to Dalmatia and bringing the gospel and that spreading to other people. Um, I, I know it, this feeling of this for Paul, it, this is the very end of his journey. You know, he's a little depressed that his team's left him other than Luke. It's neat here. He's, he points to John Mark, who wrote the gospel of Mark, where he uh, and Barnabas split over bringing Mark because Paul didn't want to bring Mark because he'd abandoned him. So you know, Paul never liked people <laughs> abandoning him very much, but clearly he forgave Mark and brought him back on the team again or, and found him useful. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard for a parent to send their children out. And that's how I think Paul was seeing his evangelism team. They're like his spiritual children. And eventually your children have to leave you and live on their own. And, and that's what Titus and the others had to do. They had to go out and and continue the gospel message because Paul was trapped in prison. I like that. And Nathan, you made a very good point. You know, sometimes God will separate uh, individuals to cause a greater work. Uh, some, and sometimes we don't understand all of what God is doing. We might not agree with it. But that's what happens with Paul and Barnabas, right? Nathan, two missionary teams, evangelistic teams now went out 
and reach other areas of the world that they probably would not have been able to do alone. Good point. Good point. And then if we go back to Titus 1, we see what is Paul doing? Uh, he's sending Timothy out, excuse me, Titus out to set things in order. And what's he doing? He's appointing elders in the cities that where they brought the gospel. So what, what Paul wanted to do is make sure that there was structure and order to the churches he planted. Not so much so as like the Catholic Church went bananas over and created form and function for everything. But uh, the Lord God is a God of order, whereas Satan is a demon of disorder. And so what they constantly were dealing with with uh, early heresies that were creeping in was because the people weren't totally grounded in the word of God yet. The Bible and especially the New Testament was still being written. And so the people were being swayed by different false doctrines and, and lawlessness was coming in, that spirit of lawlessness that we read that Satan creates. So it was important that Titus be sent to, to put elders in, to put wise people in charge of the churches, uh, to make to correct doctrinal errors, to teach them from the Old Testament and the growing New Testament. And so it was important to create order, lest there be disorder and people fall away from the gospel. Mm, I love that, Nathan. Excellent point. Again, for those of you that are tuned in, you, you're tuned into a Truth Will Set You Free Bible Prophecy Edition. Big Batista Nathan Jones, as we're talking about orderly conduct as it relates to the to the to the to God's church. And Nathan, you know, and it's so interesting because people are under the impression or the illusion that churches are just these um, peaceful, go-lucky, loving places without any issues and the people in them likewise. And we come to realize that's not the case. We are sinners saved by grace. The church is a hospital for the sick uh, and uh, we're saved by the grace of God. And when we come together and we spend time long enough, a lot of times there's issues that rise up in the church. People don't get along, heresies that are popping up. And that's why God says leaders, pastors and leaders, uh, uh, senior leadership, leadership, if you will, seasoned individuals to bring order back where there's disorder. So I like the point that you made. Yeah, uh, you need wise heads, learned heads to make decisions, uh, especially in young churches. And a lot of these churches were made up of Gentiles. I mean, of course, Paul would hit the synagogues first. And the first century church was pretty heavily Jewish at first, but eventually became more and more Gentile. And uh, we got the Judaizers on one side saying, oh, no, you got to live under the Mosaic law. We have the Gentiles and the other who come out of pagan tradition or like bringing their pagan practices into the church. And so it was a very delicate time. It was like the church was a baby. And, you know, there's so many things that can hurt a baby. So Paul sent Titus out, a very trusted lieutenant, to go out and, and make sure there was order and structure to protect the young Christians from being tempted one way or another out into false doctrine. And Nathan, and it was a great responsibility. Sometimes people might not consider uh, all here, but as we gave the size of this island, 150 miles by 30 miles, uh, and then you have uh, Titus mentioned here, and he is to bring order, uh, as you as you um, read for us, and appoint elders in every city. So the church was also growing, but they were young Christians. They needed discipleship. They needed strong leadership. And uh, he had quite a bit of a task to do. Yes. Yeah. He, he was on mission. It, it's a neat thing. It, it's very important, uh, I think, a lesson for Christians that we pass on the gospel from one generation to the next. Uh, it's just not about us getting saved and then kicking back and waiting for the rapture to die. It's about fulfilling the Great Commission in Acts 1-8 and going out and sharing the gospel 
and giving it to the next generation. Otherwise, there's no church and there's no more souls going to heaven. And so it's very important. So, uh, of course, the Bible gives us the this example here because uh, we're meant to follow this example. Absolutely. And Nathan, you and I, as we uh, in the book that we wrote together, there, the mighty angels of Revelation, we went through the various churches in Revelation chapter two. And they also there were certain things that also needed to be set in order as the Apostle John was writing there the book of Revelation. And it really relates to the order that I believe Paul is also saying here to Titus to bring into the church. Uh, some examples are in Revelation chapter two verses 12 through 14. And then we'll also look at Revelation chapter two, verses 18 through 20, as it pertains to the church of Pergamos and the church of Thyatira. Would you be able to take us there, Nathan, to Revelation 12, uh, excuse me, two, and read for us verses 12 through 14? Oh yes, this is Pergamos, the compromising church. And to the angel of the church of Pergamos write, these things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword, in other words, Jesus, I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name and do not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you because you were have there those who hold to the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Nathan, that's amazing. Right? <laughs> I mean, here here are some of the things that needed to be set in order and sad to say, but some of that we find trickled into the churches today. Oh, yeah. I, at this uh, church, particularly Pergamos and, and what is today Turkey, it was deal, it was one of the churches that didn't have a strong Jewish background. It was very pagan. And what we see, remember, it's so pagan that Paul even reveals that, hey, Satan has put his, his, his throne over the earth here at this time. So Pergamos was Satan's seat of government over the, you know, in the spiritual realm. And so it was very immoral. So here you got these, these new people, new Christians uh, being born into the church, so to speak. And what do they do? They're faithful. Hey, they're even, they're even uh, killing them like Antipas, who was martyred for the faith. And they're sticking to the faith. But, and this is where Jesus points out, hey, they're still compromising things. They, they need to realize they need to live holy lives. You know, they got to stop. Uh, keep uh, keeping the Jews out of the church and they need to stop uh, worshiping idols and sacrificing uh, or eating the food sacrificed to them. And uh, uh, something that the church overwhelmingly continues to struggle with sexual immorality. You know, they're like, Hey, you can't be living those lives anymore. You need to live lives set apart, holy and pure so that they, people see you, they see Jesus and therefore then they give their lives to him. So it was a church that had compromised too much with the world and, let too much worldliness in it. And so uh, John's, or Jesus, I should say, through John's message to this church is uh, shape up, basically. <laughs> uh, I like that. And Nathan, that's why so many pastors have their hands full throughout the years. That has been one of our challenge in the various ministries and churches is that we, this is a great responsibility because we do care for the for the sheep. We care for, for the flock. We know that the enemy's always bringing temptation and challenges. And we do have to address these issues. We cannot uh, uh, sweep them under the rug. When we see sin, we have to address it uh, again, because otherwise, if we don't, then you have a body, a group of people that are all corrupt and carnal. And that really does not bring about glory to God. Absolutely. Very well said. And Nathan, not only was also uh, 
Thyatira, uh, Pergamos uh, struggling, but we also find the same for Thyatira uh, there in, in Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 through 20. Would you be able to take us there, Nathan? I know we're close there in, in, in churches, uh, so maybe someone who's not aware of some of these issues can also see what's going on. Okay, well, uh, another of the seven churches that Jesus had John write messages to, uh, these churches also in Turkey, and here we got Thyatira. And to the angel of the church of Thyatira write, These things, says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patient. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you, because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. Mm. So here we go. Another church, it's, a, it's, it's also suffering from corruption due to uh, false teaching. Uh, the, I don't think there was a really woman named Jezebel, but uh, basically a, a false prophetess. Maybe her name was Jezebel. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> it says here that hey, you're, you're falling into false doctrine. You're falling into um, abominations, and you, you, you're committing sexual immorality again and idol worship. You just, you, you've pagans who are, got saved need to let all that go and live holy lives. So yeah, Thyatira was suffering from many of the same things Pergamon was. You know, Nathan, someone once said that if you find the perfect church, don't join it because you will ruin it. And, <laughs> That's so true. and, and I have to agree with that. We come to realize, I mean, th these churches, there were believers in here, but there were issues, there were problems. And people today, they seem to be shocked by that when they go to visit a church or are part of a church and they begin to see all these ungodly conducts. Uh, and somehow they get uh, discouraged. They leave that church because of what was going on. But then they find another church and you find that's not a perfect church either. And I believe the message is, you know, make a difference where you are. You live a life that is pure. You lead by example. You help the pastor and the leadership bring things in order and, and, and just continue to recognize that the church is flawed, uh, uh, flawed, but God has a plan. He still loves his people. Right, Nathan? Absolutely, man. Nathan, I, I know we don't have a lot of time left, but uh, maybe there's someone out there who has been discouraged because of things that they've seen in the church. Maybe they don't have a relationship with the Lord, and that's that's part of the problem right there. Would you be able to share with them, Nathan, how they can start the relationship with the Lord even right now so he can give them the strength to be an overcomer? Well, the Bible says we're sinners. We're all born in a sin. We're all fallen, and our sin is rebellion against God, and we can't reconcile with God and live forever with him in heaven and have a right relationship with him if you're also at the same time in rebellion against him. And so that's where we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ in faith and repentance. We reach out and, and with our heart pray something like, dear Jesus, please, I know I'm a sinner. I need to be forgiven of my sins. Please forgive me and be the Lord and Savior of my life. Jesus will fulfill that promise. He will cleanse you of your sins the guilt will be gone and you'll inherit eternal life with him. Praise the Lord. I love that. Thank you so much, Nathan. Hey, and maybe you pray that prayer for the first time and you just acknowledge Jesus as your Lord and as your Lord and Savior. We would love to hear from you. Give us a call 305-992-9537. Text us or post those of you that are following us on social media. We would love to celebrate with you. Send you a Bible and a Bible study guide so that you can grow in your relationship with the Lord. And if you have a church in your area that teaches the word of God, join it. 
Tell the pastor you accepted the Lord and you want to be baptized. And that is a wonderful way for you to be part of the solution of what's going on in the world and bringing order into your community. So we're going to continue to pray for you. A wonderful decision. Wow, Nathan, just amazing, right? Nathan, all the things that need to uh, be brought back in order, but that's what the scripture tells us. That's why we have to turn back to the word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to do that work. Absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, for those of you that are part of the program, we ran out of time for this segment of the program, but we will continue to pray for you. Vic Batista, Nathan Jones saying goodbye. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. And look up. The Lord is coming very, very soon. Nate, Nate, thank you for joining me. Have a wonderful day. You as well. God bless you all.